From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A mixed picture for stocks. The S&P 500 index is fluctuating. Right now it is up by less than one half of 1%. We have got the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 47 points, advancing by three-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ down 10, a drop there of two-tenths of 1%. This update is is brought to you by the American Arbitration Association. International trade or business dispute resolve faster with the International Center for Dispute Resolution, the leader in alternative dispute resolution around the world, ICDR.org. Right now, the 10-year up 3.30 seconds, yield 1.56%. Gold up a dollar sixty the ounce to twelve ninety a gain of point one percent and crude oil declining one point seven percent down three and a half percent now to forty six dollars twenty nine cents per barrel of West Texas intermediate crude. I'm Charlie Pellet and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Dr. Philip Frost is a physician, a dermatologist who has become a billionaire investor as the chairman and CEO of Opco Health, one of the most respected entrepreneurs in healthcare. He sat down with Taking Stock to discuss his company's product pipeline, his views on drug pricing, and what his current outlook is for the pharmaceutical industry. I think we're living in a very special time in the history of the pharmaceutical industry, and in the history of man, for that matter. For the last 100 years, we've been accumulating the technological infrastructure that has permitted the stepwise development of more and more uh, specific, more and more uh, effective drugs. And we're at the point now where there's enough critical mass of technology with enough people working in the field so that they can bring together these new resources to create all kinds of therapies. So within the next 10, 20 years, I imagine that a lot of the conditions that were not approachable will all of a sudden be treatable and curable. We see little by little that happening. So from our point of view, we are very excited to be able to participate that in whatever way we can, even if it's a small part. But there is a lot to be done, and we're excited. Well, give us an update on some of the drugs that you have developed, and I'd like to start with 4K score, because this is potentially a game changer for anyone who is unfortunate enough to come down with aggressive prostate cancer. You're absolutely right. 
The 4K score was developed in large measure right here in New York at Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital by Peter Scardino and his team. Peter was at the time the head of the urology section. Now he's the head of surgery. But he, working with a team in Finland who had been at it for at least a dozen years, perfected the test, which involves using four different enzymes that a man produces in his GU system, one of which is the PSA, a test that has been maligned recently. But the other three are in the same category called calocrines as the PSA. Two of them are proprietary to OPCO and occur in the blood primarily when there is a serious prostate cancer present, unlike the PSA, which is more associated with a benign condition. So the bottom line is that the 4K score, a simple blood test that we can perform in our laboratories, will permit you to identify a man who has a serious cancer in the making, a serious prostate cancer. And so that that's the man that you want to watch carefully and possibly treat. And the problem, of course, is that the PSA results in over 70% false positives in the sense that they either have no disease on biopsy or a benign indolent form that doesn't need to be treated. So this, the net effect of this is that we can avoid more than 50% of the biopsies that are now done, and I'm told that this is one of the most unpleasant experiences a man will ever go through. And at the same time, pick up the important uh, cancers if they're present, and at the same time, save the health system a lot of money from the needless biopsies and the consequences of bleeding and infection and so forth. But, so there's the physician talking, the scientist talking. What about the businessman? Because you can have the best drug, <clears throat> the best test in the world, and if you can't get something like a local coverage determination, if you can't get Medicare to say, we'll pay for this so that other physicians and hospitals will pay for it, it it's tough to get it to the people who need it, and it's tough to make money. So that's very, very true. But we're extremely confident because the data is so compelling. There are over a dozen uh, publications in peer-reviewed journals from all over the world. It's been given the stamp of approval by the AMA, by the NCCN, the National Cancer Board that determines these matters, and other prestigious groups. The data is so overwhelming that uh, we think that the re- that the payers will opt for reimbursement. And we are already getting payment from many of the important payers. Just recently, there were a few missteps. One of the so-called MACs, of which there is more, there are approximately a dozen around the country. These are the uh, agents that are contracted by Medicare to evaluate new tests. One of them came up with a positive opinion. A, uh, an LCD, and the next day another one came with a negative, after which the first positive one was withdrawn. This is what I consider a misstep, or not necessarily on our part, because we never really submitted the data for them to consider. So uh, everyone's aware of this, and we're in the process of dealing with that. Now, eventually, it, it has the opportunity, I think, to become, from an economic point of view, one of the more important tests in the history of the diagnostics business. So what does it do for your bottom line? Eventually, I think it will be a very important contributor. A very important acquisition for you last year, BioReference. 
is the third largest full-service reference laboratory in the United States, how it's doing since you acquired it, and how it fits into the overall strategy and, and growth plan for Opco Health. Well, this is a perfect example of the type of acquisition that we're interested in doing any day of the week. It added over a billion dollars of annual sales, and it's going to add a lot of profit. But even more important from a strategic point of view, it's going to permit the more rapid marketing and sales and uptake of the 4K score, which, as I had mentioned, has the opportunity for being one of the most important tests in the history of the industry. And it will become an outlet for many of the new diagnostic products that we have while on its own it's growing with their normal business. One part of which is particularly exciting and that's genomic testing. They are probably doing more gene sequencing than any company in the industry right now. And that part of the business is growing more quickly and it's a more profitable part of the business than the rest of it. In retrospect, was a tremendous acquisition, both from a straight economic point of view as well as a long-term strategic point of view. Revenue of $250 million in the first quarter of this year, you say it could get much bigger? It, well, we're going ours, and we anticipate that it will be well over a billion dollars for the uh, calendar year. Just switching gears a bit, uh, but certainly uh, pricing, selling, marketing, Valium Pharmaceuticals, a poster child now for uh, a predatory pricing model, using that to boost growth. Has that hurt the industry? Has it? How does it affect what you do or don't do? You know, I've been giving that a lot of thought lately because there's so much discussion about pricing in the industry. And you know that there are always opportunities to uh, exploit a given a, a, a situation to the disadvantage of the patient and, and uh, payers. My experience and observation is that in general, the industry is highly ethical and very, very much sensitive to the needs of uh, patients and the payers and the health system in general. And, but my thought was that looking at our product, for example, it costs a hell of a lot to develop a drug, both in human terms, the time and energy of a large number of people and a lot of money, and there's a lot of risk associated with it. We all know that of the drugs that are started in development, a tiny percentage wind up coming to market. So taking all that into account, if the companies are to be profitable so that they can continue to do the research and turn out these good products that, that are going to be uh, breakthroughs in medicine in the future, they need to make a profit. So the, the prices that I'll admit seem very high for many products most often have a tremendous justification behind them. That was Dr. Philip Frost. He is the chairman and the chief executive of Opgo Health. Uh, Opgo Health shares uh, down a little bit more than seven and a half percent so far this year. And Kathleen, I know in speaking uh, with uh, Dr. Frost, he's got, of course, a major interest in the success of the company uh, because he owns nearly thirty percent of the stock of Opco Health. You know, Pim, uh, he is such an impressive man, uh, well along in life and so focused and so 
innovative and and looking for the next successful, profitable, and very helpful to mankind treatment and drug, whatever it is. He's quite a guy. Well, a very interesting conversation about a new test for prostate cancer and uh, his thoughts on drug pricing issues. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, and you're listening to Bloomberg Radio. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.